This week on Whatever Wando, we begin the creation of the greatest college football team of all time, starting with the offense. Let's go. So as you heard in the intro, this week we are creating the greatest college football team offense of all time. Over the next two episodes, I'm going to put together the greatest college football team ever. I'm treating it like a Space Jam scenario. Aliens have come down and basically said, hey, we're going to battle you for the fate of the earth in a college football game. Here's a time machine. Gather your best players. Why did they pick specifically college football? And why did they give me a time machine? Can you just ignore my bad plot design, all right? And just let me have this fun. But instead of making one very long episode where I break down every position, I'm going to do the offense in this episode and then the defense in the next one. The thing I want you to keep in mind when listening to these players that I pick, it is solely based on their college career. Some of these guys went on to have great NFL careers. Some of them didn't, but they were amazing in college, and that's why they make this list. Uh, And the other reason that I focused on college is because I feel like the conversation about like assembling the best pro football players has been done to death. Like everyone knows who you'd put at quarterback. It'd be Brady or Montana. You know, you might argue Johnny Unitas or Elway, you know, there's a whole bunch of Dan Marino, but usually it's the first three that I said running back. It's, you know, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, or Emmett Smith. Wide receiver, it's Jerry Rice and whoever you want to put with Jerry Rice. The conversation's been done to death. By doing it mostly uh, in college, I think it's a, like a more fresh conversation. And for me, it's something that I didn't focus on a lot growing up. Uh, I didn't really start watching pro football till I was about 10. And I didn't really care about college football till I was about 15 and like watching bowl games. And I was only watching bowl games because of the fact of I was doing those confidence pools, trying to win money. So I didn't know about many of the teams playing. Uh, As I've gotten older and I went to college, you know, I very much got into college football. It was a ton of fun. You know, I went to the University of Iowa and like the atmosphere of a college football game is amazing. And so now it's been great for me to dig deeper into the history of college football. So with that being said, let's start assembling our team and let's start with the quarterback. So at the quarterback position, this is instantly where we get into, you know, the we're not focusing on their NFL career part. Because if we're going that, you know, the NFL route, like, oh, like take Tom Brady. He played at Michigan. It's like, yeah, but Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady yet in Michigan. The quarterbacks I was looking at, I was like, maybe Matt Leinart. He had some great years at USC. You had Texas with Vince Young leading to one of like the greatest, I personally think the greatest college football game I've ever seen. Uh, you had Andrew Luck had some great years. RG3, Lamar Jackson, Charlie Ward had some amazing years in college. 
but uh, I need to save the world from aliens. I need someone who's played in high-pressured situations, and no one gives me more of that than a guy who won two national titles, played a significant role as a freshman, winning one of those national titles, playing in the hardest you know conference in football in the SEC, and that's Tim Tebow. And once again, Tim Tebow in the NFL, nothing to write home about. Wasn't very good. He had that one year with the Broncos where he kept on just winning fourth quarter games and they made it to overtime and they beat the Steelers with that pass to Demarius Thomas. But after that, he flamed out. That's what happened. But in college, he was amazing. First of all, I will say his completion percentage isn't amazing. It's 66.4%, which isn't terrible, but like, there are people in college with like 70%. You know, if I really want a completion percentage master, I'll just, you know, get Sam Bradford. Um, but he had 9,285 yards, 88 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, but his real value comes running the ball. Tebow had 692 attempts, 2,947 yards, and 57 touchdowns. Amazing stats. His record in college was 48-7. and seven. He had two national titles and a Heisman. Uh, and, you know, whether you found him corny or annoying, I found him both to be because, like, he was really popular when I was in college. Like, I remember that speech that he gave after, I think they lost. I don't remember who they lost to. I want to say Kentucky, but I don't know if it was Kentucky. But he basically came out and said, like, you're never going to, you're not going to see a team work harder than us or a player work harder than us. Like, yeah, did I find it corny? For sure. The University of Florida didn't because eventually they went on to win a title that year. And, you know, that, you know, that speech, I believe they have it, like, memorialized in, like, the football stadium. Or if it's either not the football stadium, it's inside the practice facility. So, Tim Tebow is going to get the start at quarterback. I don't love the fact that he's a lefty because for some reason in my head, I always feel like lefties get blindsided more. That once again, I have no stats to back that up, but it's just a gut feeling I have. But I can't argue with his results. Tim Tebow was one of the best college football players of all time. He just was. I think over time, his stats are going to get diminished more and more as it becomes more of a passing game. But I think it's hard to ignore the dominance, the dominance he held over college football. So for right now, our quarterback is Tim Tebow. But... Who's he handing the ball off to? Well, to do that, we're just going to have to look at a really uh, state that's right next door. So at running back, like I said, as it, like as I was saying it, I basically was like, we're looking at a state that's right next door. There's even a band named after it, the Florida Georgia Line. And we're going to look at the state of Georgia and the University of Georgia. And we're taking at running back. Herschel Walker. Once again, there were really just two choices it came down to. It was either Herschel Walker or Barry Sanders. And I had to take Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker's stats are absurd. So let me give you his three seasons here at the University of Georgia. 1980, two, uh, 274 attempts, uh, 1,616 yards, 15 touchdowns. 1981, 385 attempts. 1,891 yards, 18 touchdowns. 1982, 335 attempts, 
1,752 yards, 16 TDs. He consistently, three years in a row, it was most touches, most carries, all these things. Every defense knew what Georgia wanted to do. We want to run it. And first, you definitely have to give props to that offensive line, but you also got to give props to Herschel Walker. He was, you know, that combination of power and speed, and he is scary in the open field. He's also just a big guy. And you see him running, and you understand why it was so hard for defenders to bring him down. You know, you see the evolution to more backs like Herschel Walker. You know, you see the Derrick Henrys of today, which I very much see as, you know, the evolution of Herschel Walker. Is basically like, all right, are they a big bruising back who can, like, just run you over? For sure. Can they outrun you? Definitely. And that was Herschel Walker. And he also won a Heisman, and he was a three-time consensus All-American. The thing that does impress me the most is just literally, you look at his attempts, and the fact is it didn't decrease his production. No matter what, he was still averaging between either four and a half or like five yards an attempt, which is nuts when you're running it, when you're rushing the ball that much. Uh, So our running back has to be Herschel Walker. He's not going to help us out much in the past game. I was looking at that. And like each season, like the most he had was like 10 catches. But really, with the wide receivers we're about to have, we don't really need Herschel Walker to catch the ball. So before I talk about our wide receivers, you might be saying like, hey, he didn't pick a fullback. Here's the reason why. Hand up. Are there some great fullbacks that I found during my research? Absolutely. The big problem is, though, a lot of them like are literally classified as running backs. So unless I'm being very dishonest with myself and trying to dig deep into like some dude I've never heard of, we're just not going to put a fullback on the team. We're a modern offense. We don't really run the I formation anymore. There are some football purists out there who are probably mad at me. I'm sorry. But we're running with three wideouts. And when you hear our three wideouts, once again, you're going to be pretty stoked. Because like I said, Herschel Walker doesn't really catch the ball. So I need three guys, well, four if you include my tight end, I need people who catch the ball. So first we're going to start with Randy Moss. So Randy Moss, uh, Moss, first, he was going to go to Notre Dame, got in trouble, was going to go to Florida State. You know, some things happen. So eventually he ends up in Marshall and has two of the more ridiculous seasons that you'll hear statistically. So first year, 78 receptions, 1,709 yards, 28 touchdowns. I understand Marshall is not in the hardest conference, but those are still absurd numbers to have in your first year in college football. There are multiple coaches in college football who said like Randy Moss was the most talented player they saw. And once again, like we saw that on the next level, you know, Randy Moss had a great NFL career, a Hall of Fame NFL career, but he showed out early in college. And the next year with quarterback Chad Pennington, he had 96 receptions, 1,820 yards and 26 TDs. Once again, this is the thing that impresses me. This is the same thing with Herschel Walker. You have a year of tape of him. You know what's coming and you still can't stop it. That's when you know you are dominant. You look at Randy Moss. 
78 receptions, 28 TDs his, his first year, you know where the ball's going. All those teams who played Marshall knew that ball was going to Randy Moss, and they couldn't do a damn thing about it. So I'm sure as hell putting Randy Moss on this team because also Randy Moss always could fly, but young Randy Moss was a burner. Like not only could he, like literally as a terminator after him, can he moss you, can he jump out of, you know, jump out of the field, you know, I'm used to saying jump out of the gym, can jump out of the field and grab the ball over your head, but he'll burn you on a fly route. So these aliens who got to cover Randy Moss, good luck because you're going to need it. And the next wide receiver he's got next to him isn't going to make things much easier on him, and that's Michael Crabtree from Texas Tech. And once again, Texas Tech, you know, you have the, uh, you know, you have their style of offense. You know, it's like it's not the running gun, but it's basically just you're just throwing the ball all the time. The air raid offense is what it's called. But still, the numbers that Michael Crabtree put up in two years are once again just crazy. So, 134 receptions. Let me repeat that. 134 receptions. 1,962 yards and 22 touchdowns. I don't care that it's the Big 12. That is ridiculous. I don't care that Texas Tech only, like, you know, they just throw the ball a bunch. Those numbers, after a few games, the other team knows, okay, Crabtree's their dude. Guard them. They couldn't do anything about it. You saw when Texas Tech played their biggest game in school history at the time. I still think it probably is. When they played the University of Texas, that big, you know, primetime game. End of the game, who does Graham Harrell throw the ball to? Michael Crabtree. Who makes the catch? Michael Crabtree gets to the end zone, gets that win. Uh, then in, you know, once again, his last year in college, 97 receptions, 1,165 yards, and 19 touchdowns. Two years, 41 touchdowns. So between Randy Moss and uh, Michael Crabtree so far, I already have, I'm not going to do quick math, but I probably have about 90 touchdowns between them. So 54 plus 41, I have 95 to be exact. I did the quick math for you guys. I did that for you because I love this show. So I already got two wideouts. I got one left. My first two wideouts, Randy Moss is a decent blocker. Michael Crabtree didn't really have to do much of that in college. I need to have one more receiver who's kind of more of a possession guy, but he definitely still can can beat you. But he's also a great blocker. And that's where I'm taking Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald out of Pittsburgh. So his first year in college may not blow you away compared to the numbers we just heard. So 69 receptions, 1,005 yards, 12 touchdowns. That's his first year. And once again, just like Randy Moss, just like Michael Crabtree, you saw it on tape. You know going into the next year when you're writing that game plan, okay, the ball's going to him. You got to stop him. Next year comes back, 92 receptions, 1,672 yards, and 22 touchdowns absurd numbers and once again could block like crazy was a great all-around football player so I can use him once again I might put him on the side that I need maybe a block when I'm using Herschel Walker you know once again 
I don't have a fullback. So I'm going to use, you know, maybe Larry Fitzgerald sometimes going to line up as an H-back. Who knows? But Larry Fitzgerald, big guy, can catch, can block. He's on the team. So I got a three-headed monster at wide receiver. Randy Moss, Michael Crabtree, Larry Fitzgerald. But we have another man who can catch the ball, and he's playing tight end. At the tight end position, we have Ozzie Newsome. Ozzie Newsome played at the University of Alabama, and he has like the distinction. He was named the player of the decade in the 1970s, which if you think of all the great players in the 1970s, the fact that he gets this honor at, at the time, was a very underrated position, you know, tight end. Tight end hasn't always been what it is today. You know, you have what... You know, the Tony Gonzalez's, the Antonio Gates's of the world, you know, Gronk, all those guys, Travis Kelsey, have made what a tight end is now today. It wasn't back then in the 70s. So his stats may not be the most glamorous, you know, with 20 receptions for 374 yards, then 21 for 363, 25 for 529, and then 36 receptions for 804 yards. That's 22.3 yards a catch, which is insane, with 16 touchdowns in his college career. It's not going to blow you away, but he was an amazing athlete, big guy, 6'6". He's going to be great for blocking and great, you know, once again, catching it. So he's another great addition to this team. Uh, I looked at some other, there were some other tight ends that I thought about. There was... uh, uh, Kellen Winslow II, uh, you know, who went on to have the great career for the San Diego Chargers. Then there was also uh, from Mizzou, Chase Kaufman, who had a great college career, but then he was more known in the NFL for a cheap shot against a coach. But at the end, and then well, also there was Mike Ditka. But once again, I don't know if Mike Ditka would have trans- translated into the type of offense that I am creating. So at the end of the day, I think Ozzie Newsome would. So he is now our tight end. But now we got our skill position. So we got our quarterback. We got our running back. We got our three wide receivers. We got our tight end. Now we got to worry about who are our guys on the line keeping all the, keeping our quarterback clean, making holes for Herschel Walker. So let's start with the tackles. So, our two tackles, once again, both went on to have Hall of Fame NFL careers, which, once again, we said is not really what we're factoring in here, but it's just a nice little tidbit to put in there. Both of these guys are certified studs. So, first, we have, and I'm not going to designate who's going to play who. You know, both of them in the pros played left tackle and both in college played left tackle, but once again, i one of them's going to play right, one of them's going to play left. So I don't really care who I put where. Uh, let's just say for posterity that our first guy is going to play left tackle, and that's Orlando Pace. First of all, Orlando Pace played at Ohio State, was six foot seven, over 300 pounds, and ran an under 5-second 40, which is crazy. He was crazy athletic. And then you add on, this is how dominant Orlando Pace was. First of all, he's the only two-time winner of the Lombardi Trophy Award. 
and he was fourth in Heisman voting. Let me make that clear. Like, we talk about how hard it is to win a Heisman as a defensive player. He was fourth in voting as a guy who doesn't touch the ball at all. Literally, if the ball ends up in Orlando Pace's hands, something has gone severely wrong. And he still got fourth. Like, if you go watch the tape, he is blowing guys off the line and good luck trying to get to the quarterback against him. You, like, once again, if you are if you have such tape that is so dominant of just you bullying people, there was, there, I guarantee you, there was a bunch of, you know, defensive ends from the Big Ten who, when he decided to go pro, were like, oh, thank God, because now they didn't have to get bullied on national TV anymore. So, Orlando Pace, he is on the left side. On the right side, which is actually going to be our blind side, uh, because Tebow is a lefty, is Jonathan Ogden. Four-year starter, only allowed two sacks over his last 23 games. He is 6'9", 344 pounds. And once again, Tebow is now going to be able to sit back in this glorious pocket with these two tackles stopping any edge rushers our alien foes may send at us. So right now, we got our tight end, you know, and our wide receivers just running whatever route they want because the outside of our line is just protecting us for days. But what about that interior? Well, let's start first with the guards. So we have Jim Parker. Once again, he was eighth in Heisman voting as a guard, which is just crazy to me. So you make the list, and then John Hanna. John Hanna, who basically multiple people had said was one of the best guards to ever play the position. Two guys, little recognition. They understand their job. Uh, they both played in an era where they have to run the ball, but they both like were as the game was developing and became more of a passing game. So it's not like we're bringing someone from the 20s or 30s here to be like, all right, be on the team. Like We're running things you've never seen before. They, for sure, like, can, you know, fit in the scheme, help Tebow stay up, you know, create big holes for Herschel Walker. So I think that's going to go great. And the guy snapping the ball is Dave Remington, who multiple people have said is the greatest college center of all time. He's the only two-time Outland Trophy winner, and he was fifth in Heisman. And once again, he played at Nebraska. To give you an idea... Once again, I just said it a minute ago, he, like, it is, you know, everyone, the trophy usually goes to a quarterback, a running back, sometimes a wide receiver if they have a great year. You have to do ridiculous things to get it as a defensive player. Ask Charles Woodson how hard it was him for to get it as a defensive player. To get it as a guy who literally, like, you are, like, you know, Remington at least touches the ball, but he's just giving it to the quarterback, and he's fifth and Heisman voting. You could either say like, oh, I guess the skill positions weren't that good then. Or you could say he was that dominant. And if you watch those Nebraska teams and you watch him on the line, it's B. It is he was so dominant. Those teams were so dominant how they ran the ball. And once again, that's if we need to in this game because we got to save the earth here, people. You know, if I want to choose some clock, I'm going to need to run the ball. And I have Herschel Walker 
and I have this offensive line, and sometimes I'm just going to look, you know, they're just going to look them down, the, you know, right down their, like down their throat. I said down their throat. You're going to look them right in the eyes and be like, we're going to run this ball down your throat. What are you going to do about it? And with these five offensive linemen, with Herschel Walker back there, with Tebow, if he needs to just, we're just going to direct snap, we're just going to snap it to him and be like, all right, Tebow, you're just running. We're going to run it up and down these guys. And then, hey, if we want to come back, I got Herschel Walker on the side there to block. I got three amazing wide receivers in Michael Crabtree, Randy Moss, and Larry Fitzgerald. And I got Ozzie Newsome there as a 6'6", tight end there to make any linebacker's job a living hell. So I think our offense is set to punch these aliens in their fucking face. But we have to address the other side of the ball. And that is where I'll leave you this week, folks, because next week we're going to assemble the greatest college defense of all time. I don't want to do a disservice to the defense and kind of put in a half-assed part of that episode. I needed to break this into two chunks and also just make it easier for you guys to consume because I know, you know, if I make this an hour too long, that's too long. People got lives to live. So next week, we are coming back once again, college draft, part two, assembling the greatest defense of all time. See you guys next week.